I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach us at the show by emailing us at championshiproundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm James Vickers. You can reach me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers. I'm the Preston North End fan on the podcast. All right, for a Preston North End fan blog, which is at Deepdale Digest, where you can get player reviews, match reviews, and everything Preston, really. And uh, I'm another James to add to the confusion. Uh, I'm a QPR fan. You can get me on Twitter on Jimmy Evans. I also run We Are QPR TV, uh, which you can see on YouTube and also has a Twitter account. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We'll start off making the rounds as usual, where each of us have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. It's been a double game week, so we each played two games. Uh, we'll start with you, James and Preston. Um, we'll, we'll start there because you've had quite an interesting week. You, you had a really good victory during the week, uh, and then you've, you've sort of went to Ellen Road yesterday and, and was on the end of sort of a similar sort of scoreline. Not as bad, but I mean, quite a convincing loss, despite the fact that from what I've read, you, you sort of had some good opportunities and maybe the scoreline didn't show it, tell the whole story. What was your sort of views on the week? Yeah, it's been an interesting week, really, Jake. Uh, we started off a great result at home to Bristol City. Um, we've carried on where we left off, sort of really after the international break, not dropping many points at Deepdale. It was always nice to get one over on Bristol, especially with Bailey Wright in January leaving us to go to Bristol because he said he had a better chance of getting Premier League football with them, playing centre-back for them as well, and then putting five goals past them. So it was uh, good one for the fans sort of to uh, to get their own back on him a little bit. There was a lot of sort of taunting going on on Twitter afterwards. But it's it's kind of how we've been at home this season, playing sort of exciting football, which is uh, considering how we were when we were last in the championship the last couple of seasons. It's it's quite a welcome sort of thing to have, uh, playing attacking free-flowing football at home. We normally set up not to get beat. Maybe that's, especially last year, first season back in the championship, first and foremost, you don't want to go down. So we've really kicked on at home this season. Fantastic again from start to finish. Barkusen, Callum Robinson, brilliant, sort of up front, either side of Hugill. Barkusen, again, in the week, had goal against Bristol, and then he's, uh, he's capped his week off with Championship Player of the Month, which for Preston, it's great. We get sort of teams who expect to beat us, and then... They're on Twitter saying, you know, can't believe we're, we're not beating teams like Preston, which sort of does wind up a few Preston fans. But it's good that we kind of go under the radar and, and we can win games, especially like the Bristol one. So Barcusen's fully deserved that player of the month. He's been fantastic, getting five goals in four games. Came to us sort of November, uh, but couldn't play until January with him having played for Morecambe already this season. So he's been an absolute steal. Got him for, for pennies, really, and he's turned into a, a really valuable player for us. So that was during the week. Started off the week sort of as, as good as possible, and then we get to yesterday. Um, 
the curse of championship player of the month strikes again almost. Barkusen could have had that trick in the first 20 minutes. He, he had a header from a yard or two out, which he headed straight at the Leeds keeper. He missed a one-on-one and then he hit the crossbar. So it looked like it was going to be one of them days and lo and behold, it turned out to be. Got beat 3-0. Wasn't really sort of a 3-0 game. It was quite an even game, but Leeds with the experience and and the money that they've spent, you'd expect them to take their chances when, when they get them. Bit surprised that we didn't really take our team and we put five past Bristol in in midweek. But you know, as the old cliche goes, we've we've used up our sort of our chances and uh, sort of paid the price at Leeds. It's sort of disappointing to get beat there, especially Lancashire Yorkshire rivalry. But as well with everyone around us winning, it sort of almost sort of signals the end of our playoff push. But with that, you know, the pressure's off us now. We've got some tricky away games coming up in Newcastle and Huddersfield to name a couple so we can go into them with no fear whatsoever now not going to get relegated really with us being ninth at the moment so we can go we can have a go see where sort of the last five six games takes us and yeah as I said the pressure's off disappointing to get beat yesterday but you know second season back in the championship you want to consolidate your position and hope to build and that's exactly what we've done this season so no complaints from me and hopefully we play some attacking, attractive football for the last few games. Yeah, you said there that you think your playoff push is over. Uh, although there's there's still a chance, it does look unlikely at this stage with Fulham and Sheffield Wednesday both going for that spot. What do you sort of want for the end of the season and going into the summer now as a Preston fan? Because you've made a lot of progress since returning to the Championship. Do you hope that you can continue that? And do you think that you've got the right men in place and sort of the squad to build from to continue pushing and maybe get a playoff spot next year? Yeah, definitely. So we were sort of in a similar position last year. We had, almost, albeit sort of a rather weak one, not as strong as this season, sort of push for the playoffs. And we tailed off a bit towards the end of last season. The last few games after we couldn't mathematically get into the playoffs was a bit disappointing. So hopefully this season we, we just carry on playing as we have done. As you said, it, it's not mathematically impossible yet. But as I said, we've got to go to teams like Newcastle, um, Huddersfield. Wolves are always a tricky game, even though they're sort of lower down in the table. And then we've got Norwich at home, who who beat Reading 7-1 yesterday. Uh, and they're, I think, a point below us and a place below us in the league at the moment. So they're sort of fighting to get as high up in the table as they can to finish off their season well. So hopefully, uh, yeah, we, we go out, we play attacking football, which we have been doing when we've been getting results. When we seem to sit off and invite pressure, you know, especially the quality that's in this division, we seem to pay for it. So hopefully the last few games we can go out, have a go, sort of send the fans into the summer happy and then build on that next season. I think Grayson's done a fantastic job. He's Every year he's been with us, he's improved on his previous league sort of season's finish. So hopefully next season try and sort of mount a serious push for the playoffs and be in the position that a Fulham or a Sheffield Wednesday are sort of fighting for fifth or sixth come this time of the season and actually in and around the playoffs rather than chasing with sort of a five-point sort of differential. But I think key to that will be keeping players such as McGeady, who we've got on loan at the moment. He's out of contract at Everton in the summer and he said that he'd love to stay if if the offer was right for him. Hopefully it is. Uh, I haven't seen him play sort of this well in, in quite a few years. He seems to be enjoying his football and, and turning up with a smile on his face, which for a player sort of getting on in years now, I'd imagine that's the most important thing for him. So, yeah, hopefully keep him, develop the squad, which we have done. We signed some really exciting young players who will have another year of championship football experience under their belt. And hopefully we can really kick on next season, 
Grayson's done fantastically well and all faith in him to to carry on where he's he's sort of taken us in the last few years, yeah. Yeah, and moving on to you and QPR now, James. Uh, a lot has gone on since you last came on the podcast. You've sort of stabilised yourself in mid-table. You, you're not, you're not uh, threatened with relegation. And, and Ian Holloway seems to have made a lot of progress. What are your sort of thoughts on QPR in the, the past week and what the future holds? Hi, Jake. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I think you're absolutely right. I haven't been on for a bit and, um, and I was worrying times last time. But then we went on a really spectacular run, kind of kind of February and, and, and most of March, which kind of for a while we were kind of top of the form table, which was kind of, you know, a, a, you could see that the results were, ter- like the performances were turning, but the results weren't coming and then they did, um, which is really encouraging. But, uh, and I think that we're safe. I mean, we got a 10 point gap on on the kind of, you know, the last spot in the relegation zone. So for five games left, I think we're okay, although we're only in 16th. But, you know, the last three games we've had, admittedly, they've been bad. Uh, they've been hard games. Derby away, Villa away, and then um, Brighton on Friday night at Loftus Road. And we've lost them all. Um, so basically, Holloway's just, I'm going to, I was, it's like the pre pre season. You get the feeling that Holloway's got a rough idea about what he wants from a squad. And he's just making quite a lot of, quite a lot of changes within his midfield and his attacking line. Um, so it's not, obviously, I guess. You know, three games in seven, seven, eight days as well. You've got to kind of rotate, um, but that's certainly not helped performances. Um, interestingly, like like um, a, a kind of Bailey Wright um, for, for you know leaving Preston for Bristol. We took we took um, we took Luke Freeman from Bristol for three hundred grand, and he was nominated for um, for uh, Player of the Month. Uh, didn't win it. Uh, Bark Hughes did, um, but he was an absolute steal. And um, that's that's who we've got next. And it's interesting at the moment because it's quite hard to make what what is make much of what is going on because it's effectively you're not quite sure what lineup you're going to get. There's a couple of gripes on a personal level that we we seem to set up with five at the back even at home. It just makes us quite you know it makes us fairly defensive. And I feel like it'd be nice to see us kind of just switch to something different. But, I mean we tend to have kind of a different number when we have the ball but when you initially see it set out it's a 5-3-2 and you're just hitting it to someone who's six foot six although Matt Smith has been fantastic in terms of his goal scoring it's a little bit frustrating but I mean you ask most QPR fans at the turn of the year if they could be 16th from 50 points they would have bitten your hand off yeah, just on Holloway because he started poorly. He went on that long run of losses and then he turned it around. And, and after what he's done with your club before, it's really good to see him do that because it would have maybe been sour had you had to uh, let go of him and replace him again this season. But do you think he's the right man going forward? Because he hasn't really been in the managerial game as much as he has been before. Yet he sort of had a lot of budgetary work. He maybe hasn't had a summer of recruitment for a, for a while at least do you think that he's he is the right man going forward or was he sort of somebody to come and steady the st- ship and then get somebody else in in the summer oh, well do you know what um at, at, at the time he felt like the right choice and actually after that kind of sticky patch at the beginning he's he has sorted things out and although you are bang on about kind of him not having a pre-season but QPR's pre-seasons for the last kind of five or six years have tended to be disastrous getting rid of 10 to 15 players every transfer window and this is the first time and this is due to kind of Holloway and Les Ferdinand 
Um, you know, QPR look like they might only need five or six players, which is still a lot. But by QPR standards, that's actually quite quite small fry. There's not that many people there, wage bill wise, that you would that you feel like you need to shift on. Um, Stephen Colker um, is probably kind of like the biggest, most obvious example. Um, so I think I think he he is the right man to take us forward. He certainly galvanised the team and the squad. And there's a lot of kind of news coming from the club that you know this QPR have run some quite funny PR campaigns. We are together. The R obviously being like QPR, and you kind of you know the cynic in me never quite buys into that. But it does seem there's a real tight knit togetherness with this squad. And Holloway is completely responsible um, for helping for helping that kind of transition and making that happen. So I do uh, think it will happen. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he thinks we need to shape up and who he will ship out. But it's exciting because it's not the ridiculous overhaul of previous years. Yeah, just moving on to Newcastle now. We, we've also had two fixtures this week and it hasn't gone completely to plan, but the, the sort of table still looks good in our favour. We, we're still 10 points clear of Huddersfield because they lost uh, Nottingham Forest at the weekend. They've got a game in hand, but... All we need now is three victories uh, in our last five games to secure promotion, which I think looks likely. And I think we can say that Brighton are probably going to go up as well, which, it, I mean, it's been decided fairly early for the championship, but I think Brighton and Newcastle have been the two outstanding teams and, and they probably deserve it. We'll, we'll come more on to who will win the title later. But just on our week, we started off against Burton. Um, wasn't the greatest game. It was quite scrappy. Uh, Burton played well. I, I think they've done... Uh, quite well this season you know they're difficult to beat they they gave Aston Villa a tough game of the weekend as well and they got a draw there so I mean it, it's it's not the they're not the easiest team and they've hopefully they'll stay in the league but that, that game will really took the headlines for a different sort of reason it wasn't because we won I mean we we're pretty deserved winnings Matt Ritchie got a winner it was quite a good goal but the main thing out of that game was was the sort of penalty call that happened. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen it now. It's, it's gone around social media and it was quite ridiculous. Matt Ritchie uh, scored a penalty that was uh, rightly awarded him. For, from my point of view, I think Dwight Gale was fouled it in, and, and it was uh, a penalty that, that should have been given. But then after Matt Ritchie scored the penalty, it, it sort of got ruled out and then a free kick was given to Burton, which was quite yeah, I, I didn't understand it. It took me a while to even figure out why it could have been. I, I think they talked about Dwight Gale impeding in the box. He thought, but that happens all the time. And, and he, it, he didn't even do that. Then there was talk of Dwight Gale fouling a Burton player. Like it, it, it was, it, it was a farce, and it sure shows some of the decisions you can get in in the championship. That's the, one one of the main things I've learned this season is that the officiating outside the Premier League is not that great. And and when if if we do get back into the Premier League as expected, I think I'm going to really appreciate the referee a lot more and maybe be a little bit less critical of them because some of the the refs of the championship are awful. Like there was there was there was four of them there, four officials, and and they came together and they still didn't make the right call. And 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 even the FA could not defend them. It was it was ridiculous. And I'm very happy it didn't have any effect on the result because it would have been absolutely ridiculous had had we not won that game because of that decision. Uh, Jake, what was sorry to interrupt? Was their punishment just a, a weekend off? Yeah, I think one that I always find hilarious. Yeah, that's that's all I've seen. Anyway, they were all taken off their games this weekend. I'm not sure if they're going to have a sort of extended break from officiating. But I mean, it was, I don't understand how you could be a qualified referee and make a decision like that. Like every single 
every single football fan watching that would would have like the, the thing about that decision wasn't that it was the that he ruled out a penalty. It was the fact that like if you're going to make a big call and and put yourself out there as a referee. You should do it because a call has to be made. If if he made no call and, and there had been some sort of incident, it would never have been called up on. Like he, he it, nothing would have happened had, had Dwight Gale had sort of been encroaching in the area, uh, and he hadn't have given anything and let the goal stand. No one would have mentioned a thing. It's it's the fact that they're making these decisions almost to make themselves centre of attention. And I, I just it was ridiculous and it was bizarre i've never seen anything like it It it's very very weird and the fact that none of them the fact that none of the kind of you know the refereeing team on the day could kind of wrap their heads around or at one point say hang on has this ever happened before in any of the games you've been involved with (laughs) you know it was it was like they had all left their bodies I'm just it was like, exactly like that, and in the moment he made a decision, he had to stick with it. He probably, he might, they might have even thought there were. Uh, it, was, it was, it was ridiculous, and yeah, I'm sure we're never, not going to see another decision like that for a very long time. But it, it didn't matter in the end. We got the three points. Matt Richie scored quite a good goal, uh, and you know we we went back to the top of the table until the weekend where we went to play Sheffield Wednesday. And they are now the third team to do the double over us this season after Blackburn and Fulham, which it's interesting that we're getting a lot of losses against the same teams from my perspective. I'm not understanding why that's happening. I think Sheffield Wednesday, like the game yesterday, they they had a good game plan. They they created a lot of chances, but I think their win was more down to us playing badly than it was them playing well. We made a lot of errors their goals came from two set pieces i think on the first goal four players four of our players were surrounding the goal scorer and none of them put in a good challenge and he managed to win the header and it's like it's things like that are really good at annoy rafa benitas uh, and then and then then the second goal came from a long throw in which was just very basic and they shouldn't be scoring off goals like uh, of chances like that but it happened we went 2-0 down at that point it was very unlikely that we're going to come back uh the one the one moment of the game that was quite exciting for any Newcastle fan was uh when Georgia Shelby put pulled off that ridiculous effort from halfway it was if he hit the bar from halfway and if that would have went in like at that point we probably would have went on and won the game but it was just a ridiculous effort and it shows the sort of technical ability he has it's probably one of his better games yesterday. Um, probably the only player that played well for us. But you know, we, we we've gone back to second in the table, and as as disappointing as that is, the main gap is that one to Huddersfield, and they are sort of choking quite badly. So I think we're going to be fine. I think we're going to go up possibly in the next couple of weeks, and then we can focus on next season. Uh, Dwight Gale got injured again yesterday, which was disappointing, but. You know, it's, it, we, we've done very well to get where we are, uh, and we're only second to a team that is custom built for this league. Like they've been at the top of the championship for quite a few years now. I know they had one season where they flirted with relegation, but apart from that, they've been challenging for promotion. And they they've got the stadium, the traded ground, the the manager, and the squad that is custom built for this league. So there's no shame in us finishing second to them if that is what happens. But there's a lot of football to be played, and I'm sure there's plenty of twists and turns in that race anyway. But we're just going to move into the topics for today. And the first one I'll ask you about is um, the sort of foreign managers that have come into the championship and the success that they've had. Because when I looked at the league table early, I realized that five of the top seven clubs have foreign managers. And then the rest of the league below that all have English managers. So it's interesting to see the impact they're having. Do you think that's a trend that's going to continue over the coming years? Yeah, it's been interesting, really. Um especially being a Preston fan, we've we've tended to go with sort of 
what I say, English, British managers, especially over sort of the last 10, 15 years. So I've never really sort of had the sort of the chance to judge the foreign manager really from a Preston perspective. But sort of as you said, definitely there must be something to it if, if sort of teams in sort of as you said in the top half are sort of predominantly managed by foreign managers. Um, for quite a while, the championship was kind of sort of quite a physical league. I think that's changing now. It's sort of almost with the amount of money that's been spent and that kind of thing becoming uh, like an extension to the Premier League almost, especially with the, the quality of teams that are in the division these days. So I think that definitely has something to do with it. And I think implementing sort of different ideas, different sort of managerial styles. You've seen it with Conte at Chelsea this season where sort of going to free at the back. It's been a revelation in the Premiership. Most managers are copying that now and sort of Grayson's done it sort of uh, with sort of somewhat success for Preston as well over the, the last couple of months as well. So I think different sort of styles different different formations you know bringing in especially now more foreign players coming into the league as well that definitely has something to do with it and I think over the next few years as well especially with more foreign managers coming into the league and and more money sort of been spent we'll we'll definitely see sort of a further influx of foreign managers but from a Preston point of view with especially player wise as well we've we sort of had sort of a game plan almost for the last few years which has been sort of homegrown and British with with Grayson tended to get players that have not really had a chance at Premier League clubs. So players like um, Daniel Johnson and Callum Robinson coming from Aston Villa when they were uh, sort of in the Premiership. We've had Ben Pearson who's come from, from Manchester United and done brilliant. And then sort of same with older players. We've had Aidan McGeady drop down a league and he's been fantastic as well. So I think it's finding that balance. I think you don't want to change sort of the DNA of a club too much, but obviously teams like Newcastle, they are Premier League clubs. Um, their position at the moment, I'd say otherwise with them being in the championship, but you think Newcastle, you think Premier League. So I think definitely with the amount of money and, and that kind of thing that's, that's going around, as I said, you know, different ideas been implemented and sort of Rafa Benitez isn't a championship manager and that's that's not a knock on the championship at all but you know he's gone from managing Real Madrid in the Champions League so it's no surprise to see Newcastle up there at the moment um, especially with the the squad they've got as well and I think yeah sort of over the next few years definitely we'll see sort of a greater influx of foreign managers and it can only be a good thing for the for the league really sort of the more foreign managers come in there's a bit of sort of interest Benitez from Spain you're going to get sort of a bit more sort of Spanish attention in the media. So it can only be a good thing for the league, really, in my opinion. I think, that, um, James, I think what you said about the DNA of clubs is an interesting one. You might have kind of hit hit on a good, really good point there. Like when you, when you, when you look at, I mean, look, QPR, QPR obviously have, you know, the number one Bristolian in the world. Um, but he, he played for us as well and has managed us before. And then, you know, you, you look at that kind of, the team's kind of, you know, team very local to us. Brentford have got Dean Smith, who was at, who was at Walsall. And there's kind of, those obviously, there's sort of mid-table teams uh, in the championship. Ipswich, obviously, again, English. We, obviously, kind of just reinforcing the point of kind of how, how many of the kind of the, the top sites have foreign managers. But also, a lot of the, you know, Fulham for a long time were a Premier League club and and had prim, and had foreign managers for quite a lot quite a lot of that reign. I mean, I think didn't when they went up, didn't they have John Tagana 
to get them. Maybe it was Keegan and then Tagana uh, to get to get them up. Um, and obviously, you know, I think you could almost exclude Newcastle from this conversation in in, in the respect they're, they're just they're just an anomaly. Perhaps um, perhaps the example of Hewton and you know every single bit of the club in terms of how they've prepped for going going up is the model for a British or an English manager to follow to go up. But I I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Uh, and also um, I do think it hints towards the growing similarities between the Championship and and the Premier League. You just I do feel like those the Championship is veering closer towards that than it is the the Football League. Although the Football League would obviously have very different uh, issues to say on that. Yeah, it's interesting because the only reason I bring it up because earlier in the season when there was a lot of managerial changes going on and, and the managers that were coming in were sort of the type of coaches that have been around the block. They've been up and down the leagues. Steve McLaren, Neil Warnock, Ian Holloway, you know, they're bringing in tried and tested managers. I guess you could say the same for Paul Lambert uh, and recently Tony Mowbray as well. It's, it's sort of they're sticking to safe options and it's getting to the point where maybe these safe options are no longer safe. Uh, there's one or two that sort of, uh, I guess, are the exceptions. Neil Warnock is is always going to be a, a, a very good championship manager. But if you look at what um, Steve McLaren did at Derby, he, he you know, he, last time he was at the club, he had that really good sort of year, year and a half of it. But th- this time it just went downhill straight away. And it could be maybe that the championship is developing as a league. Um, not even just Rafa Benitez. I guess I, I, I just sort of exclude Newcastle from this as well. But if you look at Slavisa Jokanovic, he's had managed two championship clubs. He got Watford up and now he's, you know, made Fulham into one of the best teams to watch in the division. Uh, and, and one that has a very good chance to make it the playoffs after flirting with relegation last season. And he had to completely rebuild that squad with McCormack and, and Dembele leaving. And he's done a great job there. And, and the same could be said of Carlos Carvajal. Uh, before he came to Sheffield Wednesday, he was around quite a few clubs. I think he, he never stayed in a club, uh, stayed at a club longer than sort of two years. He was one of those type of managers and he's managed at quite a few clubs. But he's turned Sheffield Wednesday into a very, very good team. He understands the division. He's got the right sort of players in. And they're set to, you know, maybe get another, a playoff spot for the second year running. And then there's obviously David Wagner. You know, there's, these coaches, I think, are changing. They're making it a lot more tactical. And it's not maybe enough to have the right sort of player now. You have to have the right system as well to do well in this league. Uh, Mick McCarthy is, is a great example of a manager who hasn't adapted. Last season, Ipswich finished seventh. And this season... They're not doing anything at all. Uh, it's, it's. I just think it's, it's going to be interesting to see develop. And I can't remember who said it on the show, but somebody did come on and say they, they think eventually the championship is going to become Premier League two. And I completely agree with that. I think that's where it's going, and it's very similar in, in sort of how it's developing. I think there's going to be a lot more foreign talent coming into the championship. Maybe as the Premier League gets better and more players come to the Premier League, then the talent will filter down, and you'll get better players in the championship as well. So it's, it's definitely one to keep an eye on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I want to ask a question to you, James, about QPR. You've had foreign manager in Johnny Floyd Hasselbank, and now you've gone back to Ian Holloway. Do you think... I, I, it's interesting to sort of note the difference between the two. Do you think that Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, although foreign, although he is Dutch, you know, do you think he he was quite in, quite English in in the way he managed, or did he bring in try and bring in different methods and they just didn't adapt to the championship? That's that's a really that's a really good question. Um, what was what was interesting with his style of play, kind of tactically, um, in a funny way, you know, very quickly on Holloway. He signed someone that's six foot six, and we lump it up to him quite a lot. And it's been quite effective. <laughs> if you wanted to really kind of nutshell, nutshell the English four four two, although we don't play that, and that be doing Holloway a disservice. But um, Hasselbank, it was it was really interesting. He was very oddly rigid. He would play four two three one, very occasionally four three three, but almost always four two three one. And it was quite clear from instructions, and this got leaked out afterwards, that players were told to operate within a fifteen to twenty yard box. And each of them had this sort of box within an area of which uh, they, they could operate, which I, I think is a Dutch, a Dutch model. So he tried to implement that. And, I, and it, it, what, it, what it made us was just, it made us hard to beat, but just not very exciting. But then maybe that showed the fact that Hasselbank ha- didn't, you know, didn't have a hell of a lot of experience. You know, obviously he, he, helped, he took Burton up, but, he, you know, he took over from Gary Rowett and everyone knows how, how great a job Gary Rout seems to be doing wherever he goes. Um, and, I mean, and yeah, I mean, but then, but QPR are terrible for picking managers. We, we, we tend to go for flavour of the month. We were going to, we were looking at getting um, Clement, who's ended up at Swansea, and that didn't happen because Clement's dad played for QPR. And then obviously we had Mark Hughes, uh, ha- Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp got us promoted. I mean, you know, has he had a job since? I can't, uh, uh, not, 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 a, not a club game. Um, but Hasselbank, it just didn't seem to work. Um, but I think that was more down to his personality in terms of his kind of rigid, kind of stubborn attitude in terms of he really wanted to implement a style and a system of play. He may not have had the, the, the players to, to, to make it happen. And his linchpin in that formation that he had, uh, Cherry, um, really kind of just fell completely by the wayside after, um, after Hasselbank departed and is now playing in China, um, which kind of says so much about modern football yeah and, and it's not only the, the qpr example of jimmy floyd hasselbeck and maybe he wasn't didn't didn't have the experience or, or maybe the know-how of how to give the system he wanted but there's been other examples of it, it's not i don't want to just point out the four managers that have done well and, and suggest that's the way to go because looking down the list of the managerial changes that have happened this year there have been quite a few unsuccessful foreign managers in this league uh, and it's maybe difficult gm franco zola Jim Francozola <laughs> heads that list, but there's also been Walter Zenger at, at Wolves. They they went for him and then opted to go back for a more traditional British manager. There was... I forgot he was even there, Zenger. <laughs> I, I forgot. The championship is so long. It feels like two seasons. <laughs> you know, I, I forgot completely forgot Walter Zenger was even at Wolves. 
Yeah, and then there's uh, not not only Walter Zenger that you may have forgotten. There's Roberto Di Matteo, Philip Montagnier. You know, there's been quite a lot of managers in this league, and they haven't adapted. And it could be that maybe the ones operating at the top is just the year that they they're doing well, and then next year it will be British managers doing well again. It's it's difficult. Maybe it's just finding the right guy because Gary Rowett is obviously the right guy to manage in this division. He could probably take on any of the 24 jobs and do well in them. You know, he's, he's turning Derby around and they've got a late shot at the playoffs. He did excellently at Birmingham and how they look like they could potentially go down if it continues going going the way it is. So it's 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 interesting to, to look at and, and hopefully there's going to be more British managers coming to the league because I think that's what we all want. But at the same time, it's difficult for clubs, especially those with ambitions to go up and maybe those that have struggled to find the right manager. Derby would be a great example. They now have that in Rowett. Uh, Nottingham Forest is another one um, of teams that have, have been in this division quite a long time. Ipswich, I, I think, have been in this division longer than any other team. So it's, it may be interesting for them to look maybe more down the foreign route and try something different than, than um, to stick with the same thing. <laughs> Just very, just a brief aside. Uh, there, in the kind of you know the uh, East Anglian derby, it was a, a while ago now, but I, I think it was something like in the fifteenth or sixteenth minute, all the Ipswich fans started clapping. No, the Norwich fans started clapping, and then the Ipswich fans joined in. But what they didn't realise is the Norwich fans commemorating Ipswich's sixteen years in the uh, championship, um, which I thought was one of the funniest, one of the funniest things I've seen fan wise. Um, <laughs> fan-wise this season but I think there might be something about the structure of the club the DNA thing that James was saying saying earlier because I think didn't Di Matteo get West Brom promoted or am I just remembering that as a kind of a bit of a brain fart no he, he did yeah he did yeah that was the last time we were in the championship as well so yeah is... it, it, there might just be something in terms of just everything being the right place um and there, and there are exceptions like you said like Gary Rowett Gary Rowett and I, and I and I mean you know and not not quite as good as as Grayson has but you know Brentford. Brentford don't even have a, a an academy set up anymore. Um, the fact that Dean Smith's come from Walsall to them, and you know, pains me to say it because they are rivals, but he's done a great job for them, um, Dean Smith. Yeah, there's, there's other ones as well. Paul Heckingbottom at Barnsley. You know, I think he he's just the right fit for that club. It's about finding that, but it, it, it's just interesting that there is that that theme at the top of the league at the moment, and it will be interesting to see if it does maybe become a little bit more tactical in in seasons to come as some money continues to come sort of down from the Premier League but uh, we'll just quickly move on to the next topic because it is one that has been hotly debated among Newcastle fans at the moment as you would expect as we move down to second position in the league um, how important do you two think winning the championship title is from this position for Newcastle and Derby do you think it matters a great deal uh, personally I don't sort of it's nice to win the league and you know get a trophy and, and go up um, sort of I, <sighs> I wouldn't say it's it's sort of the end of the world if you don't win the the title because obviously you're going up anyway. Um, but sort of yeah, it, you'd be silly not to to want a trophy at the end of the season, especially as James was saying, the championship does feel like sort of two seasons at times playing 46 games. So it's it's good for your your hard work paying off. But obviously, I think we can all agree Newcastle and Brighton are both uh, sort of barring a, a disaster collapse in the last few games going to go up personally I think Brighton have been a bit more consistent so I can probably out the two see see them winning the league especially with Dwight Gale being injured I'm not sure how long he's out for Jake but he's uh he's been sort of your main 
your attack this season. So I think Brighton will probably win it. But, you know, from a Newcastle point of view, they you'd like to think they'll be fine in the Premiership next season. Uh, I think when they went up last time, I think you finished top half. Um, so especially with the money that you'll spend and, and Rafa Benitez as well in charge, I, I can't see you sort of struggling too much when you go back up. So personally, yeah, it's, it's nice to win a trophy. But I, yeah, I can't sort of see it having too much of an impact, really. I think I think um, I think it weirdly means it would mean more to Brighton winning it than Newcastle. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, um, Jake. But because you know Newcastle just simply was get back to the Premier League this year, and you know you're pretty much there. Um, whereas Brighton have kind of just geared up for a push, and it's like obviously I saw them play on Friday, and the the, the way support they brought was fantastic. Loftus Road and just. As you said, they just they have crafted they have crafted that squad, the stadium, to a T to to kind of get get ready for this position. So I think it feels like a kind of, you know, kind of the completion of a of a plan there. Whereas Newcastle, Newcastle, you know, who knows how Brighton will, will fare next season? Um, I, I I do think I said I think a while ago on on this pod that I thought Brighton would do it full consistency, and I think they still will. But then you'd you'd think next season with Rafa in charge. Brighton and Newcastle might be dealing with slightly different kind of stratospheres, um, stratospheres, but um, I think it matters less. So, but you may completely disagree. Uh, and when QPR won the league, I loved it. <laughs> but you know, my thinking on it is that I don't think it matters a great deal purely because the main thing is the Premier League, and in you know when the Premier League season kicks off. There's not going to be a lot of people discussing, oh, Newcastle won the league, Brighton won the league, or whoever goes up through the playoffs. They, you know, they went up through the playoffs. They're just three promoted teams at the end of the day. That's what they're seeing as next season. But the reason I want Newcastle to do it, of course I want them to do it because, you know, we want to finish as high as possible and you want to, you want to win the league if you've got the opportunity. But it's, it's the fact, I think it might be written off by clubs, uh, fans of other clubs uh, and other people in the media who haven't watched Newcastle a great deal and maybe don't have that knowledge of the championship that it would be a failure if Newcastle don't win the league purely because of the finances, Rafa Benitez, things like that. It, it, and it might be, you know, it's just a, an annoying thing that would be following us around for a while if we if we didn't win it. I, I think it, it would certainly be a black mark on Benitez and people might think that he'd failed. Although if you'd had any knowledge in the championship, it, if you look at where Villa and Norwich are, Rafa's done an absolutely superb job and, and second would be an absolute fabulous achievement. Um, Brighton, uh, as I said earlier, they are custom built for this league. They, in any other season, they would be running away with the league on their own, and they'd be. It, it's, I, I think it's remarkable that there's two clubs in the league this season that have the points that they do. I don't think it's um, that common. I think any other season, Huddersfield probably would have been promoted automatically. It's just that they've got two teams. One of them that's come down from the Premier League and has got the money and, and Rafa Benitez and things like that, and the other that is just been building for this for the last three or four seasons and now have everything in place to do it so I want to do it just I don't want that following us around and I I still think we will I think Brighton uh, I've got a couple of difficult games and I think we'll finish strongly we normally after losing the game we normally go on quite a good run and I think we'll finish maybe maybe not win our last five games but I think we'll win probably four of them maybe uh, and that and I, I think we should win it but it's the fact it would be quite just if you know what I mean, it would be annoying and people, you know what the media and, and other supporters, they would look at that as a failure for Newcastle. And I don't think it is. I think for Brighton, this is their apex. They've been wanting to get to the Premier League and this is their achievement. This is the end goal. And then they're going to look to do 
what they can after that. But for Newcastle, this is the first step of a long, long journey and, and get to the Premier League is that main point. So it doesn't matter to me as a fan, but it, it matters to me uh, just because just I don't want that following us around for for any length of time. It could become an unwanted bit of baggage if we don't win this league. Whereas if we do, then it will quickly be forgotten about. But just moving on to player watch uh, for this week, I, I, you can talk across the two fixtures this week. That is completely fine. Who impressed and disappointed for your club this week? We'll start with Preston and you, James, on this one. Yeah, it's been quite interesting, really. The one who impressed sort of the most is the one who's also disappointed. So it's a bit of a weird one, really. Uh, as I said earlier, Barcusen scored and got an assist in the, the 5-0 victory over Bristol. And then during the week as well, he won player in the month of the championship, which is the second month in a row that Preston players won it with McGeady winning it in February. So his week started off fantastically. It couldn't have, have got any better, really. Um, and then you go into yesterday's game against Leeds and... As I said, he, he could have had easily a hat-trick in, in sort of the first 20 minutes. My brother went to it um, and he said that sort of any other day, uh, Preston would have been a couple of goals up in the first 20 minutes. But, you know, you can't really sort of get on him too much. He's He's been absolutely fantastic for us since he's come into the team. So it'd be sort of wrong to to highlight him in a negative sense against Leeds. Um, so the the other one that I'd, I'd say to go with, uh, the one who's disappointed me the most, would be uh, Baptiste. He's come back into the team in the last couple of games after a, sort of an injury layoff, and he, he looks a little bit off the pace still. I think sort of with the, with the injury sort of problems we've had at right back this season... Callum Woods out for the season and then we've had um, Tyus Browning on loan from Everton who's, who's been out for a few weeks as well now. Baptiste has shifted to right back when he's come in. Yesterday he uh, he got sent off uh, an off-the-ball incident which, speaking to people at the game, I think he sort of kicked out uh, similar to how Beckford did earlier in the season um, to a lead player who's on the floor right sort of under the nose of the, the linesman, which, you know, especially to do it anywhere on the pitch, but especially right in front of the linesman is just asking for trouble. So he was sent off there. And after that, we were 2-0 down at that point. There's there's no coming back into the game. He sort of lost his man a few times, which led to a few leads chances. And he, yeah, he just seems like he could do with a bit more sort of training before we'd thrown him back in, especially away at Leeds, which is one of the hardest places to go in the championship. And similar to him, Marnit Vermeil, who played as well, Lee's first game since I think it's sort of November time. Um, he got thrown back into the team yesterday and again, looked off the pace. So especially, as I said, going to Leeds with two defenders that, they're thrown back in after sort of lengthy injury layoffs. It's, it's asking for trouble. But, you know, I can't really fault the team. Um, they've been fantastic all season. Hopefully it's just a blip, this this defeat to Leeds, as was shown sort of earlier in the week when we put five past Bristol. We're, we're a good attacking team. So, yeah, hopefully, as I said, it's a one-off. And obviously, Baptiste won't be playing for a couple of games now. But Vermeil, a bit more match fitness under his belt. And hopefully he can put that right when we play Huddersfield on uh, on Good Friday. Yeah, the same question for you, James. Who, who impressed and disappointed for QPR this week? Uh, well, it's, it's, I've got an interesting one here. Um, so, yeah, like uh, Massimo Luongo uh, impressed against um, Astonville again, kind of man of the match in in a lot of the reports. Um, and I, I wasn't there at that game, but I was there on Friday. And it's really funny. I found I 
I have I have found that this season he's gone backwards a little bit since since Holloway came in. Um, I don't I, I don't quite know why because I feel like I'm kind of in the minority here. I'm just not seeing something that a lot of other people are seeing. So although he 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 clearly you know pleased a lot of people for me, weirdly he disappointed. Perhaps my expectations are a bit too high uh, of him. In terms of other players, um, Luke Freeman, uh, who I mentioned earlier, um, he had a cameo on Friday for kind of the last 20 30 minutes. And was fantastic. He really did help shape the game, and he had a really good game against Villa as well. So he would be my personal choice. Uh, and then disappointed, it's more slightly bewildered. I don't really know what's going on. It's it's um, Ravel Morrison. Like there's times when you see this guy play, and he hasn't played a lot for us, but obviously he's been at been at QPR before, and it just all looks a bit too easy for him. And then you wonder if that has kind of just impacted his general drive and play when he's on the pitch. And then in, in the formation that we were playing, he was kind of the deepest of the midfield three where you're like, you want him further up. And then he got substituted for Freeman and Freeman became the creative outlet, but did play further up the pitch. But um, that that's, it's more sort of disappointing. Yes, but also just bewildered because when we went two nil down, Morrison suddenly seemed like he had a bit of bite and a bit of fight and did a couple of step overs and looked like, oh, hang on, this is the guy that, you know, Paul Pogba looked up to and Lazio had. And then, you know, he got substituted and I just get the feeling that he probably won't get offered a contract um, after the season. It's just very weird. I don't know if what your guys take is on Morrison. Um, just be interested to hear kind of thoughts from outside if you have one at <laughs> all. Well, he's quite, he's very talented. I remember when he was at QPL the first time, I was always impressed when I saw him. And then at West Ham as well. But I don't know, I just, I, I don't really think he's worth the effort at this point. I, I haven't watched, I haven't watched a great deal of him since he came back to QPR. I, I know it didn't really work out for him in Italy. I don't think any of it, anyone really expected it to. Uh, and it, I, it, I guess it's a playoff, for, 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 it's sort of a trade-off for QPR. Is he worth the money? Is, is there... Any chance you could get even like fifty percent out of him? Because if you can, he's definitely worth it in this league. I think you saw what Adil Tarat did for you the first uh, a few years ago. He could be a similar sort of player, and and I don't think QPR can maybe attract the talent that he has as easily as you uh, that easily. I mean, if you could get his talent working, it it would be good for you. But I I don't know if he, it's. Difficult, isn't it? It's always no, difficult for players like that. No, it absolutely, is. absolutely. You're completely right there. And you, you QPR, the position that QPR are in. And it might be a bit bit like McGeady um, as well. You sort of, the club's sort of got to take a chance on him and hope that you can get a tune out of them. But you do wonder if kind of, I mean, <laughs> I think Terap's in Italy now. Um, at Genoa, maybe. But you, you do sort of just wonder if his time is up. Um, so it was disappointing, but more in a bewildering way, because you can see it, it, it's all there. But it's just, it's just not all going to come together. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just don't think it's probably worth the effort. But um, yeah, I guess it's difficult, isn't it? I, I don't know it as well as you do, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he's, he's probably not worth. It's not probably not worth it at this point. Although, although the, a good example of somebody I know a little bit more about is Niall Ranger. Obviously, he was at Newcastle, had a lot of talent, had run-ins with the law. And now he seems to be at South End in League One, and he scores quite a few goals. So it's, it's he's not reverse point. He's getting to the age where maybe it, it, it might all click for him. There's been examples in the past um, of players that it, it just does click for. Maybe maybe it's worth another season. But I, yeah, I I, I 
I personally w- wouldn't want him at my club. But so oh, you've got you've got you've got you've got Shelby, so you know you've got <laughs> and Iosi Perez. He's your he's your enigma. <laughs> yeah, we we've got enough as it is. I think Shelby's turned it around. Shelby's a good example of of somebody who who has turned it around. Uh, although I don't think he has the pro- he had the problems that that Raval does. But but moving on to for Newcastle now for for player watchers, I do realise we're running out of time. Um, the person that impressed this week is probably Matt Ritchie. I think he played really well against Burton and won us the points alone and recovered well from the penalty miss. So that that was really really good to see. I, I think he's probably been our player of the season, and it's easy to see that he's going to go on and do well in the Premier League next season as well. For disappointed, there's a few. Um, I think Jamal LaSales is a particular one, purely because I just don't understand what, what what's going to happen with him next season. I think giving him the armband has really chained him to Rafa. That those two are, are chained. Like you can't drop Jamal LaSales. You can't take the captaincy off him. He's, he's so young, only 23. You can't take that captaincy off him now. But he is easily the weak link in our back four. And he, he's not great on the ball. He makes a lot of mistakes. He's been making a lot of mistakes this year in the championship. So what that means for next season, I don't know, because if he's making as many as he is this season, I can only think he's going to be a weakness again next year. And and that is a worry. He was probably to blame for both of the goals yesterday. Um, he's a great leader. He speaks well. You know, he's, he, he really he's connected with the fans. He's got a lot of potential. He's certainly got the potential to maybe even play for England one day. And he's at the right place to do that at Newcastle under Benitez. I think Benitez will improve him, but it's whether he's going to improve him at the rate that we are improving as a club. That, that's the big question for me. And I, I think you, there's a lot of talk of giving the captaincy to Richie, but you can't take a captaincy away from a 23-year-old. 20, you, you can't. That would absolutely destroy him. I think he, he is, we are stuck with him as captain. I, I say that as a negative thing. I'm, I'm very happy for him to be captain. He's a great captain. But it's his foot. It's his what he's doing on the pitch that is a concern and uh, and he really needs to work on that. We've got the right manager to do it. I'm sure Rafa knows wh- where he's going to go and I'm sure Jamal LaSalle is going to gonna be fine in the long run. It's just a concern based on yesterday where we're so close to next season now and there's only five more championship games to go. So if we're going to be very quickly into pre-season then the, the, then the Premier League season if we do get there as expected. So it's, yeah, it's a worry. I think that's one, the one, one person I'm worried about going into next season because I know that the rest of the weak links in the team, we will strengthen. But I think that is one that we, we just can't do it. It's, we, you can't drop your captain. You can't take it off him. So... Yeah, the, the, he was probably the disappointment for this week. But before we finish for today, I just want to quickly preview our matches coming up on Friday. I, I think they're on Friday this week. So we'll start with you on this one, James and QPR. You've got a trip to Bristol City. So they had a good win at the weekend. But, um, Preston uh, beat them in the week last week. So they're definitely a team that concedes a lot of goals and they're very inconsistent. They've still got the manager that I think they should have sacked about three months ago. So it's a winnable game. How do you see this one going? Do you think QPR will get the win or do you think it's going to be a tricky one? Yeah, you're absolutely right there. It was, um, QPR seems to be a great team for a new manager bounce. And I was thinking after that after that, after that that result last week, I was like, oh, Johnson's not going to be there when QPR go and goes to Ashton Gate. But he's still around. So <laughs> that fills me with, with, with odd confidence. I think if, if, if Holloway 
stops trying to experiment and just sets out his stall and picks his best team um, because we do set up quite tough to beat especially away from home I think that kind of 5-3-2 that switches into sort of um, something a 3-5-2 4-3-3 when we have the ball works quite nicely and obviously you know Tomlin, Tomlin's a creative player, um, but he can blow hot and cold. So just as long as you can stop their goal machine, uh, Abraham, then I think you've got a good chance. Um, and it'd be nice for QPR to just edge over the 50 points and get, 53, get to 53. Not that I think we should really be looking over our shoulder, but, you know... Um, but it would do. But that being said, they have a lot more to play for than than we do with this game. Um, but but I mean, Holloway is a Bristolian. He's a Bristol Rovers man. Uh, he managed and played for them as well. So I'm sure he'll be keen to get one over kind of on his city rivals. And moving to Preston now with you, James. You've got a difficult trip to Huddersfield, although the, the wheels have gone off the off uh, their title push or their promotion push recently. Do you think there's a good opportunity for Preston to win this one and, and keep your slight playoff hopes alive? Yeah, as I said, we can go into the game without any fear, really. No one expects us really now to get into the playoffs. I think it will be out of Fulham and Sheffield Wednesday, unless, you know, like a Reading sort of go into free fall now. So Huddersfield aren't in the best of form sort of having a look at their form earlier before I came on here, they've they've only got one win in the last four and they've conceded seven goals in them four games, which when you think the teams that they've been playing, I think three of the four teams that they've played are sort of in the bottom five or six. So they are shipping goals at the moment. And even though it wouldn't sort of prove it yesterday away at Leeds, we are a team that is kind of better suited away from home. We, we set up sort of away from home, not to get beat and try and hit teams on the break with, with the pace that we have, sort of especially in our front three so it should be an entertaining game really Ray Wagner as a manager sort of following German football with Dortmund I know a lot about him um, from his time there managing their sort of their B team um, so he's done a fantastic job for them but you know fingers crossed we can we can sort of do Newcastle a bit of a favour and uh, sort of peg them back a bit for you to to get promoted in the next couple of weeks and keep our slim playoff hopes alive and you know if we don't get in the playoffs uh, so be it but it'll be nice to, to finish the season on a strong sort of run and and then sort of take that into next season and kick on and find that consistency that we've sort of lacked this season to mount a serious sort of playoff push so if we want to sort of finish as high as we can obviously these are the games that we've got to be winning so as I said going to it with no fear um not sort of obviously I want us to win but wouldn't be the end of the world if we get beat, especially at Huddersfield with third. No one expects us really to get a result. So, yeah, go in with no pressure and, and see how it goes. Yeah, and finally, we've we've got Leeds at home on Friday. It's going to be live on Sky. So we I think we've lost most of the games we've been on Sky, or at least most of our losses have come when we've been on Sky. So it's going to be an interesting one. Leeds will be well up for it. And it's a good chance for them to show what they could do in a Premier League fixture it's got to be sort of builders on Sky that two clubs that could be playing in the Premier League and it's a, it's a Premier League stadium as well Newcastle we've been in the Premier League for a long time it's going to be a game that it's going to show us a lot about Leeds more than it's going to show us about Newcastle I think it'll be interesting to see if they can deal with that and, and come away from home and get a result but putting my Newcastle sports hat on I think it's going to be we've struggled at home this season and we've struggled on Sky which makes me think this is going to be a difficult one but at the same time, I don't think we've lost two games in a row very often. I think at least after each loss, we normally we normally come back with a win. And I think Rafa will get the players up for it. They know that 
we'll know what Brighton have done at that stage of of the of the day. So it'll be we'll know what we have to do to see sort of keep in touch with them, or maybe we'll have the opportunity to go top. So it's it's going to be an interesting one. We've got Gale out, but I think Daryl Murphy has done very good when he's coming to to fill in for Gale. I think when Gale was out injured, we didn't lose once. We, I might be wrong on that. I don't don't think we did. I think he was back for the Fulham game. So we we've normally we've coped quite well without him. And I think Murphy's a is a is a very good championship strike. He'll be absolutely fine in this game. I, I I'm going to predict us to win. I think we normally come back and we we, we win after after a loss, and I think we're going to do that. I don't think we're going to be as bad as we were yesterday. So yeah, I'm going to predict a narrow two-one win. I think it's going to be a difficult game. I think Leeds are going to be really up for the game, but uh, yeah, I can see us coming out on the top. But with that, we are now out of time. So if you guys want to tell people where they can reach you or anything you're involved in, now be a good time. Yeah, so as I said before, I'm James Vickers. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at underscore James Vickers. Hi, yeah, James Evans. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jim E. Evans. Uh, also run via QPR TV, which is WQPR TV on Twitter. Also occasionally involved in uh, the QPR podcast, um, Open All Ours. Um, so if you really want to hear or see more of me, those are the places to find me. Yeah, and my Twitter account is at Jake Jackman with two N's. You can get me on EPL Index and the Boot Room. They're the two sites I mainly write for, so check both of them out. I just want to thank James and James for coming on today. It's been a good one. Uh, we hope you um, enjoyed the show and we hope you join us again soon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.